0: Thank you for joining us at MindSpeak, the show that delves into global issues with a local perspective. This is a voice, not an echo. If you can't speak your mind, you can't be human. Hi folks, and welcome back to MindSpeak. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, and this is episode 222, Global Mailbag Special. So this is going to be our first uh, uh, email uh, special on folks who are responding to the new uh, MindSpeak uh, show that we put together that that mostly tackles um, uh, global uh, affairs, uh, global arts. So we'll be doing various locales and maybe sometimes various uh, issues that to happen on, on a more a global basis, we got a lot of email, and uh, uh, for some of the new people that joined us on Mindspeak, because they're not always the same audience as those from uh, Strength to Be Human. Uh, but what we normally do here is, to my best of my ability, I try to match the email to the various shows. This way, I kind of put them in in, in groups. It's a little easier that way for the listeners to follow, but also. We have to paraphrase things sometimes because uh, oftentimes we have people who write us where English is not going to be their first language, you know. And in other cases, uh, just because the length could be could be pretty long. We've got a couple here that are pretty long, uh, actually, and then a couple that are kind of short. So, and then some I had to shorten because they were just you know too long. All right, so forgive me for doing that if you're one of the people that that, that wrote in. I'm not trying to be uh, difficult or disrespectful, but I got a show I got to try to manage in it, all right? And we got a lot more email than we normally get for the for the literary show, and I get a lot for that, but I usually let that build up over a couple of months. This in this literally a couple of weeks, <laughs> I got a whole lot of this mail. So wherever it's being redundant, I'll just try to put it together. The email, or just maybe just sort of read off the the best one that's sort of like. Captures that thought because you can get sometimes four and five or six emails sometimes, and they're all like kind of along the same line And there's no there's no point reading that because that gets old fast, especially when you're a listener It's like did I just hear that so I I try to make sure that we we edit that down, okay? It's like I'm an editor on the uh, literary journal earlier chart. Well, I have to be editor on this thing, too as part of the uh, production duties, so to speak, okay? Alright, so let's get right into it. Um, we did um, all of the Mind Speak episodes with email with the exception of Dune. I'm still getting those in and we're probably going to have, likely, another Dune episode that I'm going to be putting together once the release of the movie is out. And it'll go over that, it'll go over some of the reviews and, and just some of the things in general, including some mail. So it'll sort of be a combination episode and I'm saving the mail for that. Okay, so that's why. Otherwise, everything else I'm I'm reading off to you, right now. All right, let's go on to the first one over here. The very first show was leaving Afghanistan, which, as you can imagine, since it turned out to be an incredible disaster, I, I couldn't have predicted it. So I think the the people who uh, spoke about the show also uh, mentioned that as as well, and we'll read off what they have to say. Um, it's incredibly disappointing because I really thought that even this president. Would have gotten this correct but um, apparently he's not capable of doing that all right you were right on nearly every point but you gave too much credit to a senile puppet of whatever is actually running america the land of the free is in trouble call us when you need a hand. we finally got brexit right yeah thank you uh british listener appreciate that you can always count on the brits they have a right sense of humor that in the end, you, you, you don't know if it's a benefit to you or if the son is slapping you in the face. <laughs> that's that's the British for you. God bless her though. They uh, have been with us on everything and I can't really doubt them on that. As to the rest of the email, hell if I know. It, it, it looks so bad. The guy doesn't even look like he's in the commander of his facilities. I got to wonder if they're giving him a vitamin B shot or something before he gets on the air. Doesn't look like he's even remembering half the stuff he's talking about. I don't know. I think maybe he sleeps half the times while he's talking. It's just scary. You're right, though. Many people are asking who is running America. I don't know who that person is, or, or Grover is, but um, definitely don't think it's me. That's for sure. So, um, well, we'll try to get through it here the best we can. That's all I can tell you guys in, in Britain. And yes. Stand by. We we might need your help. All right. Next, I agree with your assessment. We spent too many years there. I mean, then, meaning in Africa, Afghanistan, can't nation build for a people who don't want a nation. You predicted October, but that month might be better used for the date of this horrible president to resign. Yes, and that's a that's a foreign person saying that. Okay, so. <laughs> It's even apparent from from the distance, which, you know, sometimes
1: for the right or for the wrong,
0: I would judge, you know, um, how we're doing or even how our president is doing by some of the reactions from people internationally. Because I talk to a lot of people, I read a lot, I read that particularly, and uh, it just seems to be universal across the board that, you know, we got folks that they are not really taking this seriously anymore, wondering if we're taking a step down from being a global leader. That's not a good sign for us at all. All Alright. This is the modern world. Don't know why we haven't learned an invasion needs to be swift, decisive, and short. The longer you stay, the longer you get nowhere fast. Most of your podcast was dead on. Great job. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm still weeks afterwards i'm still in in a daze about how horrible we left and all the things we did leaving people leaving equipment uh, apparently we never even consulted our allies which are, so this is supposed to be the administration that the adults they're supposed to be able to do all the things that the other guy didn't do and i swear it seems like they were trying to be worse than him rather than better because i'm not seeing an improvement here and apparently uh, nobody else in the world is either. We don't learn from history, people in general, because we choose to think we are better and can do things differently. Afghanistan is a graveyard full of 14th century zombies who beat their force-wed wives and ferment hate for an outside they have no real understanding about. I would have paraphrase that a little bit because it was... English wasn't was all that the, the best and everything. I think zombies is the word they used though because I don't really know what else word you're going to use with zombies. Uh, the letter Z. Um, but they didn't even spell zombie right. It happens when the English is not your, your first language. Thank you very much uh, for that for that email of course some of these thoughts are pretty rough. Normally when people can be extremely critical of, of America, as long as I, I, I think that, you know, they're not being bigoted or they're just not being uh, prejudicial, you know, I'll say something. But in this particular case, it's just, it's just so universal. I've gotten so many private messages about this as much as I've gotten email, probably a whole lot more. And they're almost uniform across the board, negative. What the hell's going on? Yeah, well, I'm here in America. We're still trying to figure that out, okay? but thank you very much for that yes there's no doubt about it I mentioned on the show and it's no doubt about what we've already seen we spent too long's time there too much money for people that don't really care about that sort of thing they're not interested in even being a nation too busy being tribes this is the reason why they're so easily conquered by everybody who goes in there but in the end no one stays that way because you gotta build something and you can't do that just from one one city far away from every place if you look on the map, that's that's one of the geographical realities of that place. Hell they even have battle seasons because of how horrible the weather is. You only have war in certain parts of the year because of how extremely bad the desert is and everything. Even your enemy can't do anything. Even they say, Yeah, we'll come back in a couple of months. I mean seriously, that that's that's the kind of place that is. You know? It's like a giant nowhere's land of Empire killing. We're talking about nation building. It's more like empire killing. Nobody has done anything there successfully. And we're just joining the list. While we haven't learned from history about this, I don't know. I mentioned that on the show as well. It's still astounding. It really is. And I'm sorry to say, we're probably going to be going back there eventually. For some terrorist reason, I'm sure. Give these folks some time. They'll be coming up with something stupid. You can count on that. They're transparent and they're easy to understand. Because they're predictable. Alright, I see this different than most. Biden saved us from another useless war. We're there too long building hospitals for a people who can care less about modern medicine. Trump would have done no different. Alright, well, I'm not interested really in a whole debate about who would have done something better or not. Okay? It, it, it's it's clear from, from the message and the plan that Trump had that he did put out that... He might have done something different. His plan seemed to be a whole lot better. He never got a chance to put that into effect. So we don't really know if it would have worked. We don't even know if he would have put it into effect if he stayed for the president for a second term. So I don't even want to venture the speculation on that. All I want to do is, 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 is measure the facts. The facts is is Biden is the president. He did a crappy job. He's blaming the generals, blaming everybody else in the, on the planet, blaming Trump. You know, and not a whole lot of blaming himself for trying to fix anything. He just seemed like he was just trying to get through it and and over with, and and that's that. And, 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 you know, almost like somebody that, you know, does a bad job painting, and they just trying to hurry it up and get out of there because they don't want to deal with it anymore. It's somebody else's problem. The problem is, is I don't know how it's somebody else's problem. We got this guy for four years. Unless he goes somewhere, or he's too sick to maintain office. So... We're not going to have anybody for another three more years, okay? If not longer. So, you got me on that. But I'm sure they're really quick to change the subject as soon as they can because it's beyond embarrassing and it's dangerous. All right, thank you for that very much. Now, let us go on to the next one, which is worrying about Taiwan. This one and this show was a whole lot of different than the one from Afghanistan Okay, and mainly because if you think about it it hasn't happened yet it's more of a prediction that could possibly happen where Afghanistan we knew that was going to happen we just didn't know it was going to be that short I didn't know that they're literally going to collapse the entire government run which unfortunately just really showed everybody including us if somehow we didn't take a lesson over here that we were supporting people that they can never support themselves this is not possible you know again you you can't run an entire country's government from a small city and and think that that's gonna work out when you don't have anybody really on your side And I don't mean the terrorists I mean just everybody alright Taiwan Not only is it different because it's a total prediction, but we know a number of horrible facts about Taiwan in the situation, which makes this a lot more realistic. But guess what? Again, because I didn't really have the serious prediction of what could happen in in, in Afghanistan so quickly, it never really occurred to me that we could look so bad that the Chinese would actually be stepping up their threats to um, Taiwan, which unfortunately... That's exactly what happened. I mean, literally, they were telling Taiwan on their, on their, their news service, you're not going to count on America. They're not coming for you. They can't even handle their own affairs in Afghanistan. They actually told Taiwan to give up now. Why have a war? It's only going to hurt your people and your islands. Why not just have a transfer of power and get this done? That's literally what they said. I'm sure to the communist mind that made a lot of sense. But to freedom-loving people, it doesn't. But we'll break into these uh, emails and talk a little bit about that. Because uh, unlike Afghanistan, where I haven't got anybody who actually is listening to the podcast. In fact, over the history of my show, on all different levels, because I keep a track of a a record of everybody who's ever checked in for various countries, we've never had one person from Afghanistan. Never once. Plenty of people from Taiwan. And there's actually a lot of Taiwanese Emailing on this particular show. Okay? Alright. Here we go. This is the first one. Very much agree we need to take the Chinese seriously. I am worried too that we are not ready for the deaths that will occur from not being ready. And many probably agree with you that we depend on America too much. After your disaster in Afghanistan, God, I can't even believe I'm hearing someone say that it looks less likely that you will come when we need you the most if this doesn't convince my people nothing short of invasion will and then it'll be too late had to help paraphrase it a little bit because English is definitely not this person's uh, first language even though Taiwanese speak English on a regular basis I mean standard Chinese is pretty much their their language over there Um, yes um, unfortunately I have to agree and one of the things I mentioned in the, in, in, the, uh, in the show, which doesn't hurt to mention again, and I think it's also mentioned in some of these emails, is there's like a, 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 dual, a dual nature, a dual behavior there in Taiwan. At one point, they take them seriously, that yeah, they're constantly invading their airspace, constantly provoking them, naval and otherwise, constantly putting reports that don't even allude to we will invade you, that literally directly say it. We will launch against you. We will take this plane back. We will unify. We will invade. No one can stop us. No one cares. Just, just literally what they're saying, I mean, direct talk. I don't know what more. It's beyond threats, in my opinion, beyond the threat. And they have this whole nature of, uh, okay, they take it seriously when they're communicating to the allies or America. And they even take it seriously when they talk among themselves. But there is not the national mood for mobilization like they should have been. They don't have an active uh, draft that's going to be really effective. You know, I don't I don't even think that, that their civil service is going to be af- effective against this. I, I just don't know what they're thinking. Because the Air Force can only do so much. I mean their Air Force. And, and only they can do so much with their Navy. And until they have enough missile defense batteries in place, what are they going to do? Just they stand there and get, get hit by missiles? Because that's the fate of Taiwan. Sitting as is, is getting is zapped by missiles. And thousands die. And that's just the first hour of that conflict, okay? That's how horrible we're talking about. All right. Next email. Taiwan is in trouble. Yeah. If it falls, there goes the South China Sea and a big part of the trade route many nations depend on. I'm really disappointed that they have done, taken this threat seriously on a national level. That nation has resources to buy whatever it needs. Mobilizing after you're attacked is like admitting defeat. Guess someone has to pick up all of those dead bodies. Yeah, I know, that's that's kind of rough. And I'm not gonna let uh, some of these uh, emails uh, just slip to the side because they're being rough. As long as they're not being, you know, profane or hating or anything like that. I mean, that's their opinion. That's their opinion, and I'm sorry to say that's that's a rough opinion, but it's horribly accurate. I don't, I don't know what's gonna shake them up. I mean, I literally the, chain, the Chinese are at their door. But again, at that point, it'll be too late. Remember, they're right next to China. It's not hard to launch a series of missiles. Not hard to take a couple ships over there. Extremely easy to send jets over there. They're practically doing it every day. If you don't know by now, that's what jets do. When they want to when they test the land, they're, they're, they're measuring their response. How long it takes for you to launch your fighters against them. What is your population doing? How are the radio traffic going? All of these things you listen to. The Russians have been doing this to the Alaskan frontier for like forever now. 50, over 50 years. If not more. We respond fast. We know that they're there. We let them know. Blah, blah, blah. But this is what the Chinese are doing. And it's just unbelievable that this isn't taken more seriously. And and I'm telling you that as not only as a military person, I'm telling you as a a, a neutral observer as well, it's not hard to look at this and and understand it. There's no American tint to what I'm saying. Oh, your response will be different in America. The military is military. I don't care what, what country you're from. If you're not responding fast, if you're not trying to do something to curb this, well, it's going to keep going and going and going. And that's that's the real problem over here. All right. All right, here we go. Next one. When you're done worrying about Taiwan, maybe you could do a show on America. They get what they deserve. Either you be prepared or you'll be enslaved. All right, well, a lot of the people here in America that are on the American first side of things don't really even agree with that kind of sentiment. So, that person is on their own island someplace. There's truth to what they're saying about, yeah, you do need to be prepared or you're going to be in trouble. No doubt about that. And no, if I do any show about America at all, it'll be about various issues. I'm not going to do a show about America. I mean, I, it, it, would, it would take a year just to do anything about my own country. With that big, with that complex. And I really don't think uh, we need one on every state. It would be actually boring. And in some cases, where it concerns Delaware, I don't even think I need an hour. I think I need like 15 minutes. Because I've been there plenty of times as a military person, and there's not a whole lot to see. Believe me. And as you can tell right now, there's not a whole lot to be proud of either. All right. So, no, I don't agree with that in its entirety. Um, I really don't. A little too harsh. I let it go anyway, because I know there's some people frustrated. I'm sure that's part of... What that comment is without defending the person that there's some frustration there that, you know, they should be better, better prepared. Alright. Next, the Chinese are not bluffing. They are taking the temperature of the world just like Putin. And they will grab land and they will figure that no one is going to lift a finger. Amazingly hear that Japan is lending a hand. Shows you how bad things have gotten. That someone might be counting on Japanese for their defense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's heavy. If there's any place the Chinese can get a bloody nose without a full-scale war, that place would be Taiwan. It's too bad its citizens are going to be the victims in this deadly tug of war. And yeah, that might eventually happen. That's that's the that's the scenario right now. That's currently being circulated. That the Chinese come. That America sends some people over there. And the Chinese don't stay. They they start withdrawing. But in the end. You know you got a Taiwan that's going to be in flames. With thousands dead and everything. I don't know. Maybe that's what they need for their wake up call. To me it's horrible to to not be prepared. I mean. You can't have crisis management I feel after the crisis. It should always be about preventive measures. It should always be about, about you being. As proactive as possible. Now, I'm not really convinced that's the case over there. And I'm sorry to say that. If they don't get this stuff together, they're, they're going to be in deep trouble. They don't have any secret weapons over there, folks. There's no secret plan that we don't know about. It's not hard to figure out what the Taiwanese are spending, how they're mobilizing, what they're doing, what they're buying. It's not hard. It's it's, it's all public information. So it's, it's, it's very easy to be able to tell this right away. So that's, a, that's, a real, that's a real issue in itself alright last one here truly disappointed that Taiwan is seemingly unprepared for the vicious assault about to the sweep their islands Biden isn't coming he doesn't even remember what day it is and China is more his friend than you are keep that in mind at the re-education camp if you don't get ready to fight you will be a footnote in history like Tibet Yes, unfortunately, as rough as the comment is, there's a lot of truth to what that person is talking about. And God knows you don't want to be like Tibet, because once you're like Tibet, you, you're done. There's no freedom force that's ever going to take them. Uh, there's nobody that's ever going to rescue them. I don't know what's even left of the Tibet culture. It's been that There's been that destroyed. I'm serious. The only time Tibet's ever going to be free is if the Chinese ever one day resol- was resolved to move out of there. And that probably only happened when they had a real change of government which I don't see anything any anything coming on the horizon anytime soon it really isn't. I don't care how many little protests you got in the city now and then the Chinese can handle that they're, they're skilled in doing so and they have no problem just shooting and killing people whenever they feel is necessary and yes that's what you can be looking at. Uh, that, that's the future of, of Taiwan, if you guys are not going to take this seriously. All right, the the the, the writers saying they don't even think Biden's coming. China doesn't think Biden's coming either. This is now the impression that we've given the world because of how weak we wind up being in Afghanistan, how horrible we look. Yeah, we got ships in the Pacific. Yeah, we got ships in the South China Sea. Yeah, we, we've done some demonstrations of of force before. But if they don't take your leaders seriously unlike the last guy remember the last guy people were afraid of I I, I know it it doesn't fit to the foreign policy everybody out there especially uh, citizens of my own country they don't like hearing that they they like our president to be happy-go-lucky hanging out candy and, and talking about you know peace in the world and forests and trees and you know save the whales I got that but we're safer in the world and in america when people are more afraid of our leaders and can't predict him versus this guy where it just looks like he's weak will he surprise us maybe and do something stronger some of his uh, his friendly analysts out there you know the people who think they're journalists but they're not really they're just pretty much members of his staff they think that yeah he'll come back strong one day on this just to, to sort of balance the crap he did in afghanistan that's lovely wishful thinking when you got 20, 20 23 million people on the island of Taiwan and their lives are at stake so I don't know if you want to count count that as, as being a good foreign policy idea. He'll come just because he looked so bad over there he'll come and look strong over here. I don't know if you want to count that. you might want to count more of either defending yourself adequately until help can arrive like Japan who trying to put missiles on the island close by try to defend things off and and maybe give the Chinese a second thought yeah I think it will give them a second thought and after they think about it for the second time they're still going to be coming they don't care about that (laughs) at all they'll probably have a a plan for that as well this is the Chinese folks they're not stupid and they're not crazy either they measure things as best they can and they understand what's going on in the world because they're watching and they're listening so, the destiny of Taiwan, if it doesn't get itself together, might really be part of the island in flames, half of the people dead, and the other half in some kind of real education camp as the Chinese take over. But I'm telling you, once they arrive there, they're not leaving. And nobody, including us, is going in there to get them. There's no public will for that. There's no military plan for that. And quite frankly, I don't want to see any of our soldiers die anymore for places that either don't want us, or in the case of uh, Taiwan, they want us, but they're not really prepared to do the the, the, heavy, the heavy lifting on this. You know, so hopefully, God willing, they keep their freedom, because I'm all for people keeping their freedom. But my philosophy for Taiwan is no different than America. If you're not willing to defend it, if you're not willing to die for it, it'll be taken from you. And you'll probably die in the process of that, just for them taking it. Versus you defending it. So that's what you have to decide on. Because the world can't be peaceful while you have these major bad actors out there in the world. Russia, North Korea, Iran, China. It's not going to be. These are, these are places that have resources. These are places that have armies and missiles and navies. These are places that have already shown they can take things back when they want to. And they've already shown that the West is going to do very little. Think of Ukraine right now, which we're probably going to have to do a show about that one day in the Crimea. Just think about that. It's not hard to look at that and see that. Taking it right in front of us. No backdoor strategy, no sneaky policy. Just, bam, roll in and take it. We got it. It belongs to us. Have a good day. Make some lame excuse about some of our Russian-speaking citizens are in, in threat, so we had to take it. This the same thing with Georgia and same thing with some of the other smaller territories out there. Same thing. Abakazi and everything else. Same thing. So It'll be the same nonsense with China. That'll be their, their cover story for all of it. We're supposed to be unified. We haven't been. We're tired of waiting. You know, it's, it's time to go over here, blah, 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 before they become a threat to our own country. That's how they're going to say it in China. That'll be their story. Yeah, and I'm sorry to say that right now it doesn't look like we have the willpower to do anything about it. So yes, Taiwan, you're probably on your own. Although you do have Japan helping you. God bless Japan trying to do something, but I don't think it's going to be enough. All right, Got a lot of response on this show: uh, the global power of India. A lot of texts too, and and you know, and, and instant messages and stuff too. Not just uh, emails, and I often don't really write all of those down in there. I'll take it in my mind when we talk about the show, but I, I can't be writing down little little things like that. I'll, I'll be here all day for like a week just on so that alone. So it's easier than the email because I can cut and paste them and put them together on the show, you know. And they tend to be a little bit longer too and more more details. People think more when they send an email than they do a text, <laughs> you know, in terms of you know putting their whole plan together all right so here we go global power india many thanks for mentioning india and being positive in your comments many here do not see themselves yet as a power but they still have many issues to contend with but i see your point that regionally we must step it up because china is no friend to freedom or india well yeah that's really the best way of putting that no doubt about it no doubt about it at all And. The unusual thing is, is simply this. It's not a question of words with China where it goes India, which right now is the case with Taiwan, other than, you know, them violating the airspace and trying to do provocative things. But India, it's entirely different, because they tried to mess around with their with their, uh, with their their computer systems and, and sending in viruses and, and trying to spy on their... On their their, their tele, telecom equipment, uh, they've continued to clash with them on the Himalaya border. Happened a couple of years ago. <laughs> they lost that conflict in a big, big defeat and humiliation that the the, uh, the Indians ironically used a lot of uh, a lot of uh, soldier people from uh, Tibet from that area and they, they were very effective against the the Chinese forces over there. There's no reason for them to mess with this border. So when the Indians call China a bully, and that's the nicest word they can use, they're right, because there's no reason for it at all. You have no real interest there, other than messing with other countries. But this is what they do, testing people, testing their defenses. Now, is India in the threat of invasion versus Taiwan? Uh, No. There's over a billion people in India. There's only 23 million in Taiwan. Okay? And just like India, well, excuse me, just like Taiwan, India is also a place that, that, that's packed with people. It's very con- very dense with population. So, yeah, you send a couple missiles over there, you're going to kill a lot of Indian people. But guess what? you got a war in your hands then because the Indians are not going to back down from that. They're no longer the country that is, is trying to get the, the, the reasonable benefit of doubt from you because you've done too much to show that you don't care, you know. If you don't count the skirmishes, they've had at least three major border conflicts in the last, like, 50 years. Okay, so they've already shown that they're actively interested in messing with India. And India has understand that. They've uh, upgraded their military, including their Air Force, and in 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 their own missile defense systems. So they've done a lot, and they continue to do a lot, because they understand that India has become a danger. In many instances, they've even joined with regional powers for the first time and became more regional. Remember, for a long time now, India has been a bit of an insular type of country where it concerns international things. I don't mean in terms of computers and and labor and trade and education and all of that. They've, They've moved forward with that, and that's important for the modernization and progress of their country. But on these other levels, they haven't. Now they're starting to because... It's just simply becoming too important for them not to. All right. Next uh, question over here. It's going to be your next email. I had discussed with my friends about your show, and none of them agreed that India will become a global leader. <laughs> wow. They are wrong, and you are right on this subject. Your positive message has fallen on grateful ears. You can always tell when an Indian is writing uh, English because they just have a, a, a really... Not only just a real different viewpoint, but a real different organization of the uh, of the English language. It it almost to me always sounds like uh, you know they're mixing in the the, the British English habits with uh, with everything else, and it, it just to me it I, I rings in my ears, and that that's a classic sentence right there. Your your positive message is fallen on grateful ears because it, it has a certain has a certain poetry to it. Thank you very much for that. And yeah, there's still a lot of people in India that don't really see that they uh, can and should become a regional global uh, uh, power. They don't really see themselves as that yet. And uh, you know, and like anything else, I mean, you can call a nation no different than a person when you want to use this metaphor. It's all about your self-image and maybe even in some cases your self-esteem. And you can say that about a nation too. I say that about India is because they don't really see themselves collectively there yet. I believe they will be there one day and they will see it one day. They don't really see it yet. Whereas you could tell with you know China, they're all over the place. Trying to do all kinds of things, mostly negative. Because they see themselves as a global power. The problem is is that China sees themselves as taking over the South China Sea. And if they did that it's extremely dangerous for the entire world. You understand? That threatens uh, the trade routes. That threatens uh, Taiwan, India, Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam, Australia, and then New Zealand. Really, the entire array of countries would be a threat under those circumstances. And we're going to definitely be doing a show on Australia in the near future. Because they're, they're in serious threat themselves and doing a lot about it alright next people in America used to worry about India being an unfair competitor but now we see how far they have come and what they have already done to send China a message you need support China and help her become a regional power to balance the area yep I agree it's really necessary in fact if you want to make this illusion and I do because it makes sense to me anyway Um, For a certain period of time, we left uh, Saudi Arabia on its own. It used to be completely dependent on everybody for their defense. Then the the Obama administration came in and didn't do a whole lot for them. They realized they had to do a lot for themselves, and they did. Sometimes that's for the best. I've always believed, and I talk to people on India on a regular basis about this, not just about India but in the area, that maybe sometimes leaving them to their own devices and maybe only just doing a supporting role would be better there's, I always felt way too much reliance on us we change governments on a regular basis folks people change their ideas and their thoughts this guy here that's the president he has a different philosophy than the one before so how do you rely on something like that? you have to also rely on yourself and just leave us at that bare minimum supporting role that's really the only way to go about it. I don't know what Obama was thinking about leaving the Saudi Arabia to itself, but in the end, that worked out. And I don't give him credit for it because it wasn't like part of his original plan. Saudi Arabia just understood, finally, that they need to use their resources to start learning how to defend themselves. They had to take it seriously that they had enemies and that it wasn't always going to be there. In fact, our presence there in many ways has probably created more terrorism than, than it's defeated it. Because people don't like us being there. And not necessarily Saudis, because the Saudi leadership has always been okay. Because they thought it was necessary. and And in the past it was. It's no longer that the case anymore. They have a very active air force. They're in a... Uh, been in a huge war with Yemen, parts of it anyway, to stop the terrorism and some of the forces over there from attacking them on a regular basis. You know, they've helped out in a number of places. This is what India is going to become. Just like Saudi Arabia is becoming a stabilizing force in the Middle East to counter the dangerous Iran, and in many cases, you know, a gutter, because it's it's not always on on the right side of things. We have to wonder about their support of things that is not always positive. But everybody else, they're on their side. A lot of what's happened right now with some of the peace with Israel, which we'll do a show on here in, in the near future, has, become, uh, has come because Saudi Arabia has told those countries, yeah, it's time to do things. They'll be the last big ones to, to join anything with Israel and, and, and have peace with them. But it, it's, it's an eventuality, no doubt about it. India, I feel, is going to be the same way. They're going to eventually become a power broker over there, whether they like it or not. There's no other way that's going to counter or balance China. China's not going to change their policies or anything overnight. In fact, the only way China would even change anything regarding Taiwan is if Taiwan eventually does something about it. Learns to attack them when an invasion happens. Learns to repel us successfully. Learns to make them look embarrassed. Give them a bloody nose, just like a bully. That's the only way that's even going to slow them down the only way and to do that it's going to cost Taiwan they're not going to do that and everybody's going to be fine Taiwanese are going to die they're going to they're going to take a hit for freedom and that's just the that's just the best case scenario for that place India is a whole lot different I think they're starting to see that they need to branch out they need to be in allies and they've been doing that to their to their real advantage next great you mentioned the diversity of languages. Most outside just think we speak Hindi and English and don't realize the complexity of our culture. I am most glad you framed the nationalism in most realistic terms and not bash us for trying to recover our heritage. Yeah, I didn't because I know a whole lot about India and a lot of the affairs that goes on. I I keep uh, an eye of the world on many, many uh, subjects. I also is somebody that always had looked at nationalism carefully over the years. It's been a big part of my writing. It's a big, big, big thought of my pro- thought processes. And India is probably one of the fewer countries. In fact, I think Taiwan can use a dose of nationalism about now. I mean, really, um, that was have been able to do their nationalistic endeavors in a more constructive fashion. So they get they really do get credit for that. Like I, I mentioned on the show, when I, it doesn't hurt to mention again, historically, nationalism usually becomes dangerous eventually it often becomes a, a more authoritarian government or, or more aggressive on a regional basis more uh, more ruthless to its own citizenry uh, more more dangerous uh, on economic levels where people literally just nationalize a, a in the industry or a, ser- a series of companies it, it's mine now which is the theft of private property certainly not anything to do with freedom Because that's usually one of the problems with nationalism is it often runs against freedom, almost like a competitor, and sometimes it winds up becoming its enemy. Historically, most of the times, that is what's happened with nationalism throughout the world. There hasn't been too many cases where it's been successful. Uh, Czechoslovakia is probably one of the few cases where they became the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Without a civil war, and still using nationalism as a basis for the, for the vote to do so, to democratically divide, and still keep good relations without anything seriously negative going on, extremely rare in history. That helps with decent leadership and people who just are not interested in that. And India might well well become that as well. They're on the right path for doing so, and I really felt that they were correct, renaming the cities, trying to get some of the colonial, uh, at least, you know, shackles off on on a symbolic level or even on a superficial level and go from there. And doing that without having to be anti-white or anti-Caucasian or anti-British or anti-American or anti-everybody who's not Indian. They did a good job of not being like that. It's really to their advantage to stay good relations with everybody and then, of course, just simply told us like they've told us before. This is why we're doing this. We believe this is necessary. Like this person had said here. And it's a good phrase. To recover our heritage. You're right. And there's plenty of people who need to do the same thing. (coughs) Excuse me. They just don't need to be racist to complain about racism. So like what we do here in America. Which makes no sense at all. Thank God India hasn't taken that, that path. And they've been successful for that. All right, here we go. Next one here, and the last one here. My country is bringing itself slowly into the 21st century. Thank you for mentioning the rural suburban situation. Too many think this was a terrible plan to kill people, but I do not know how we could have predicted a global virus in the middle of this migration. Our leaders are not saints, but they are working to make us better. It's it's a fair assessment. I mean, because I've heard some political chatter from India where we've had some parties literally to say that directly. Well, we they did that whole thing because they were gonna it would just kill off these people. And they really didn't have all the jobs and all the resources and all the the political willpower for them anyway. So it was probably better off that they died, and it was a plan. <coughs> and uh, nobody's planning like that over there. It was pretty obvious what what went on could have been managed better oh yeah I mean sure because anytime you have a, a huge huge influx that way it, it's gonna have a safety danger it's gonna have uh, even a health component not to mention the housing component trying to find places for all those kind of people and what kind of health issues that can bring into an urban society that's already filled with people that could have been thought a little bit better in terms of the both the rural and the urban planning but and I'm hoping they're continuing to try to do that I hear some motions towards that I hear some plans towards that please do that and hurry it up because they are right on the big level that if the country is ever gonna become a modern country in a consistent fashion everywhere in India and it's a big place okay they have to tackle the rural and the agricultural areas and, 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 and the harbor areas and all they have to. It can't just be about, look at us, we have six great cities that are doing super fantastic things for the 21st century, and, and, and 300 miles away, uh, people w- walking around with uh, with turbines and, and carrying water from a well 60 miles. Okay? You what, you never heard of a pipe? Come on. So, they, they're they right about that. That, that. They have to get across the... The plan, the word, and everything—and sure, it might be clumsy uh, at first uh, on their efforts—but I think they're going to get that together because there's no way around that. You know, you can't bring the whole country into the twenty-first century until you bring the whole country into the twenty-first century. So, I like to give them some uh, some credit on what they've done, and, and believe that they're going to get this right—that it's going to it's going to eventually work out. They're interesting, complex place, but and it looks like for the future, many people in that area, even including America, are going to be counting on in India to do the right thing, it regards China and it regards a number of regional issues, even the environment. You know they're starting to take that a little bit more seriously, and they really need to. I understand that. You know they're trying to get out from a third world status into somewhere else, and they're, they're on a fast track to get out of there. You know, but Obviously, air quality, water quality, and things like that are still things that they have to be working on. And uh, I'm going to trust that that's still going to be something that they're going to do. The only thing I've ever been disappointed about is more of the of the environmental critics that have no problem bashing America or even Europe, but they never seem to mention China or India. Two of the biggest polluters in the world. And I'm not saying this to make them sound like criminals, because both China and India have had... Legitimate issues with growth and legitimate issues about trying to modernize the society. <coughs> India, uh, China has more, I feel, to blame for it than India because they don't have. India don't have as much resources. They're getting there to do all the stuff they want to do. They have to do things in a more deliberate and planned fashion, where China has a lot more resources and there's there's a lot of things that China does that they don't have to do. Is done out of laziness, is done out of because they have a monopoly on power, is done out because they don't really have to consider the international community or even their own people. They just do whatever they want to do. Oh, yeah, the mine collapses It kills 100 people. Well, don't worry about it, I got 10 more million to, to throw over there. That's kind of their thinking. So it's not just about an absence of human rights, it's just about an absence of just not caring. People don't really matter. India is a lot different, thankfully. But yeah, they both have those issues. And yeah, i like to see some of these environmental people talk about that. It bothers me. We're going to eventually have a show on on that very subject, about the environment. Because it is just too clear that there's issues with some of these environmental policies. There's issues about some of the thought frames that are out there. And there's issues again and again and again. Why are they not talking about some of the biggest polluters? Why is that? There has to be a reason for that. I got some clues. <clears throat> we'll definitely talk about that. But Until I hear more of that, it's hard to take those people seriously. Alright. Next. And I figured this is going to be a show of contention. Not too surprised. Uh, the rise of anti-Semitism. Got a bunch of emails, got a bunch of texts, got a bunch of instant messages. Some of them were literally bordering on anger or hate. Some of them just straight angry. Oh well. There has been a huge rise in anti-Semitism just in the past couple of years alone. I don't know. It's almost like let's have a pandemic and <clears throat> now we can focus on hating Jews. Because, you know, that's what I normally think of when I have a pandemic and I'm trying to figure out the best way to handle the, my health concerns and, and the community and my family. Yeah, that that's a connection there, hating other people. But unfortunately, we got people that that's how they are. We, had, we targeted some of the biggest places where there were problems in the world. Uh, of course, you're going to have some people that are going to take offense to that. So be it. I'm not going to take any of it back. I'm not apologizing. You're mad, you're mad. You don't want to listen to the show anymore, don't listen to the show anymore. I'm a free person. These are my thoughts. They're backed up by facts. You can't really deny these facts. So I'm not really too worried about any of that at all. Okay? First one. Too much French bashing for my blood. (laughs) There are plenty of blame to go around where concerns a poor welcome to the Jews. We take it seriously and I cannot see how you are not taking us seriously. Even your feeble president has a poor record in this regard. Uh, I can tell from the email. I don't mean the language of the email. I mean (laughs) where it came from. That it came from France. Because they literally made sure it was signed that way. So, let's look at this and break it down a little bit, okay? Uh, Like I mentioned on the show, and I'll mention right now, there's no bashing going on. But, in this particular case, it's necessary to mention that the French government itself has done a very poor job, period. So, yeah, I can talk about the nation of, of France because its government represents the nation of flash and has done a crappy, crappy job where it concerns anti-Semitism, period. Hell, that oftentimes they've admitted it themselves. I've read interview after interview. And please, don't tell me it was lost in translation because it wasn't. Admitting they could have done a better job. That they're trying to figure out how to do a better job. But in case you've noticed, and this is probably the only credit or defense I would give France, is that... You know, they've become like Italy in the sense of the, the, the governments that seem to dissolve in two, three years. You know, how many French presidents have they had in like the last ten years? I mean, really? Ten of them or something? I mean, it's just that horrible. Each one more liberal and more sillier than the next. Each one does never seem to get their issues correct. <clears throat> you know, if they're not beating up the unions, they're, they're following in with the unions. If they're not in if they're not taking a billion you know uh, migrants into the country when people are not happy about that, then they're out figuring out ways to to make sure they're not wearing burkers and and then, and, then, and then criticizing them that way. They don't seem to have one national policy about anything. It seems to be 50,000 different thoughts and, and all these are different administrations. And while all of this is going on in France, anti-Semitism continues to rise and they've done nothing about it. nothing really. And as we talked about in the show, there's thousands of people that's leaving every year. All right. And, uh, yeah, I am taking you seriously. That's why I brought, I brought France into the, the picture. It's it's one of the worst offenders of this. And I don't really care if you have a long history of anti-Semitism or not. It doesn't mean it still needs to be practiced in the 21st century. Okay? There's a long history of slavery, too. You're not practicing that. So it doesn't make any sense. And and all of this about you're not taking it seriously? Of course I am. France is a major power. France is a nuclear power. Uh, France is an artistic and writing power. The French are extremely interesting and influential people. They've always been in their history. And, the, and most likely they always will be. I'm guaranteeing where we're on the... the the, the ground of one of the moons of Jupiter, somebody's probably going to be speaking French. So it's not about bashing France, it's about expecting more from France. If I need to expect more from my own country, yeah, I expect more from you guys too. It's supposed to be a a, a, a stable and and decent democracy. So we got some questions here, alright? And the statement about even your feeble president has a poor record in this regard. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, our president doesn't have the best uh, best comments on, on race. He's made fun of Indians, which is ironic because, you know, he has a half-Indian vice president. He's made fun of black people, and he actually served with a black president. All right, His record uh, regarding the Jews and, and, and criticizing Israel and even arguing with and Begin at one point, we have video on it. It's not like something that we're just talking a rumor about. That's all record. You know, the man has never really had the best record on a lot of these things. How he became president or whatever is a mystery to me, okay? Because he really doesn't have a great record on this. And this guy's running as a civil rights president. So I can't even, like, argue with you on that point. He doesn't have a good record. But unfortunately, uh, neither do you. All right. Why do I have to hear about Poland in this subject? It's tiresome since we did not build those camps, we did not operate those camps, and we did not kill those people. The Germans did that. Uh, I was actually expecting a, a comment like this for email exit. In fact, I was expecting even more than I got. I got a few. i only reading off one because many of the other ones sort of had the same sentiment. Some of the texts were a lot rougher. And I have read plenty from other people who wrote articles about Poland even in the even in the, the 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 most conservative and safest manner on how they put this and they still were bash in vicious ways. Sometimes the people who were complaining about anti Semitism, the charges of it, were actually anti Semitic when they were complaining about it. Which of course makes no damn sense at all. Now this person is not. They're talking about the, the, the continual subject of Poland saying that the camps were German in nature and not Polish in nature, so you shouldn't call them Polish death camps. I said on the show, I said now, it's a good point. I agree with it to a certain extent. You're right. It's it's wrong to trash your entire co- your entire culture and country that are coming out of the grips of communism and trying to rebuild itself and going forward from something that was not your fault. Your country did get subjugated by the Nazis. Nazis. They did build it without your permission. They did staff it without your permission. And they did kill all of these people, including a lot of your own Polish citizens, some who were Jewish, okay, in those camps. So, yeah, that, that's all correct, and I concede that. The whole thing about the property, not giving it back, and blah, 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 having these laws and all of the stuff that you're doing, it looks bad. So I don't know why you don't see that. And I'll mention it again, like I mentioned on the show, it looks bad. Did I ever go to the point of saying, you're being anti-Semitic with these laws? No, I didn't, because I don't believe that. Nor do I believe that you getting angry about some of the criticism about these laws is anti-Semitic. I don't think that either. But it looks bad. And in some cases, I've heard politicians, they sound like they're dancing on it sometimes. And people pick that up. They're not stupid. And of course, some of these comments, it's great. Support your culture, support your country. Nothing wrong with that. God bless. But if you can't admit that some of these laws are written clumsily, if you can't admit that being so absent minded about how folks are still feeling about the situation, being so blockheaded about why people are asking these questions, why they're concerned. That don't make a lot of sense. You almost play into the hands of people who are saying that, and people who worry about that. You're doing that to yourselves. No one's doing that to you. Okay. I mentioned it on the show. I'll mention it again because I'm not trying to be offensive. But when I go through my daily list in life, here in America, and I go through my daily global list of things I want to talk about and do, uh, Poland is not on that list. Not because I don't care. Not because Poland is not important. It's just not on that list. You're not doing anything horribly bad out there in the world. and You're not doing anything super important yet either. You're still putting together your nation. and You're still trying to become the nation you should become. And everybody should be proud and grateful of that fact. But if you want more friends, and any nation that's trying to build like you are can certainly need them, this isn't really the best way of going about it. This simply isn't. So hopefully you folks will get that together and realize that. Alright, next. I don't agree about Hungary. I wonder how far you went regarding France. (laughs) The Muslims are responsible for a great deal of this violence in Europe. Put it on them before you run off on a show and not saying things that you know you're talking about. I'm trying to paraphrase somebody that their English is not the greatest. But it's not hard to figure out what they're saying. Okay, uh, Hungary, just like Poland, I mentioned, it had good relations with Israel, still does. They don't really have a, on a modern basis, any real strains of anti-Semitism in in that. You've had some minor politicians say some stupid things. I don't know if that's supposed to actually collectively condemn Hungary over that. So I won't go in that direction, and I didn't. And um, I do agree that, sure, some of the anti-Semitism in Europe and in France have come by people who are uh, Muslim migrants over there. And and, and uh, some of that could have been, uh, you know, in inside their own Palestinian protests or just the general dislike or distrust of of uh, Israelis or, or Jews because of the whole Muslim um Slanting on it, yes, but there's pl- plenty of attacks in France, in particular, and of course in some places in Europe too, that people were not Muslims. A French person doing this, and like I mentioned on the show, well, we, we've seen uh, almost a, a national uh, distrust or a national apathy, even on the police level, to, to even the attacks, telling people you know they should just move to another neighborhood, slow to respond. Not taking it seriously. I don't know how many tax you have to have the, you know, with, a, with somebody spray paints die Jew all over the, the damn country for you to say, I think we have an issue with this. Come on. France is an intellectual giant in its culture around the world. If you can't figure this out, you got a lot more problems over there than just anti-Semitism. So, no, I don't agree with all these statements. And I'm not running my mouth off on the show on things I don't understand. Okay? I look at the issues, I research the issues, I've been to a lot of these countries. So, including France, numerous times. And I'm not surprised. Okay, next one. I am a Jew, and you are correct in these assessments. I even agree that Poland and Hungary are not yet major places places to worry about. But then again, there are not many Jews that are living here. That's a good point. They are mostly, they have been mostly killed decades ago in the very camps you mentioned. Thank God for Israel and America because I do not ever want to live in France, not even for a billion francs. Yep, yeah, that's just a sentiment I hear all over the place because of how utterly dangerous it's become for this. And a lot of folks don't realize that. A lot of times things that are reported, they're not reported in a big way, but they are reported and it's not hard to figure out what's going on. It's easy to research this. So, I even and I didn't mention on here because it was just a text, but I had someone text me saying, well, what proof you have? I I literally just text them just, just a couple of articles. And these are articles from you know um, their own newspapers, Lamone and stuff like that. Check it out. Literally admitting that they have a problem and that the government is doing crap about it. Quoting government officials saying, uh, "Yeah, we have a problem and we're not doing much about it. We're figuring it out." Get back to you later. Bye. And of course, then outside agency as well. You can't really win when people want to question something like this because if you use the outside agency to show some things, oh, they're just biased. You know, if you use the inside place like a newspaper that's respected, let's say, in Limon in France or something like that, oh, they just, like, right-wing. I mean, so it's, when you don't want to acknowledge this stuff and you're in denial, you can come up with a thousand excuses, you know? But I'll tell you that right now, not only about France, but about anything in general. This is the easy rule, okay? When an issue keeps coming up, like a trend, okay? And enough sources inside your place and outside your place agree, well, you have a problem then, because this is a world where it's hard for people to agree on anything. You got seven or eight or ten different organizations and, 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 and cultural places and newspapers and etc. agreeing that you have a problem, you have a problem. <laughs> it's just that simple. Whether the problem goes further that you're still in denial of it, or you're just too embarrassed about it, or you just don't care. Well, that's a whole nother subject, and maybe even a whole nother show. But I'm not really interested in tackling, you know, the show of why isn't France tackling its anti-Semitism? Because I honestly don't have an answer. Some of the politicians that that were interviewed in that in that article literally said, "Well." We're being too politically correct and we're worrying about our Muslim population too much. And in that, in that instance, it's kind of hampering our efforts and we're not doing enough or fast enough response. I'm sure there's some truth to that, but I think the issue is probably more complex than just that. So, and when you have complex situations, you got to come at it in complex ways too. It's never going to be one size all fits all you know, solution to stuff like that. I think France is more complicated on this issue than then we realize okay next anti-semitism is rising because there aren't enough Jews in Europe and America who stand up for themselves in fact too many hang out with the very people who hate them how does this make any sense bearing in mind that history has shown that exact behavior got millions killed can we see more activism from Jews against the hate that is sent towards Jews yes that would be uh, that would be wonderful to see I can tell you that now whether that's gonna happen I don't know you know and I've said this numerous times okay I've said this on in articles I've said this on the on the shows I'll say it again now and I'm just gonna pick on America okay on this particular issue all right We have a huge amount of Jewish people in in America that just vote mostly for one party. And quite frankly, they have a left-leaning bent to them, which is fine. But when you're hanging out with some of the very people that are are accused of anti-Semitism, that are trying to pass laws against certain things regarding uh, uh, Jews, even here in America, it, it, it just beyond boggles my mind, Okay. It really does. I don't understand why anybody, and any of these political parties we have in America, who who are part of these parties, to say something. You're, you're members, you have some influence. Many times they don't. They just stay silent. And a few times I've heard some people, some Jewish people, say, "Well, you know, they're they're immature. They're immature politically, and they'll get they'll get there." I don't even understand what that's supposed to mean. The guy saying it's okay to burn synagogues, signs that I hate Jews as he's, as he's rioting, with signs that you can clearly see in the video. You clearly hear the audio. we got to wait for him to become mature. Really? How many places does he have to burn? Huh? How many rocks does he have to throw in the Jews' head for you to get the message that these are not exactly people you should be, like, associating with? And if you're really interested in their goals, other than hating you, uh, why are you not doing anything to help reform them? I don't get it. It's dangerous. So yeah, I understand that comment. We've seen it a lot. I've had some of my Jewish friends here in America have a lot more harsher comments than I have about that. Calling people like this certain names, calling like these people deeply disappointed, saying that, you know, we're setting up our, our own selves for, you know, or curtailment of or freedom or, or or danger of Jews in America that that we've never had before. I'm concerned, I really am. I mean, it, it's, it's becoming more of a problem here in America, and, and we're not doing a whole lot about it. I mean, how can you be a Jewish journalist? And I already tell you that I'm not too happy with journalists in general. I don't think they're doing a very good job on many fronts. You know, I always thought that they did a crappy job on the last president. I actually think they're doing a crappy job on this president. So I don't know if that makes me consistent or not that I don't think journalists are doing their job no matter what president it is, because I didn't think they did a great job with Obama either. So there you go. i got three presidents right there I'm concerned about. All three of them. Some of these folks are Jewish, and what? They can't use that as a platform to say, hey, by the way, go to their editor. You know, we've got a series of this. we got some other people saying that. We should be looking into this. Nope, don't hear a whole lot of that. It's just unbelievable. So I don't, I don't know the reason why, other than, you know, there, there's a, a confusion about what Zionism is. The Zionism is simply believing that you should return to Israel, that Israel is a place for Jews, that it, uh, it's a gifted land by God. That's what it is. And people who are against that, to me, that's anti-Semitic. And if you are a Jew against that, then you need to be looking in the mirror and wondering about yourself. Because wherever you are in the world... If you're spending any time trying to tear down Israel or criticize them, that might be the place you need to go one day when when the place you adopted it, it doesn't want you any longer. Thousands already of uh, Jews in France are doing that. You might have to do it one day here too. So let's try not to, you know, crap on the place you might need one day because that's just the awful truth of it all. All right. Last comment over here, and we got a bunch. All right, really. You're probably one of the very few who called out Black Lives Matters as spreaders of anti-Jew hate. Most people don't have the guts. I am afraid anti-Semitism is being mainstreamed by those who use the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as a cover and a convenient excuse. What they deal with in the Middle East? Should have no bearing on a rock thrown through my window or my synagogue burned to the ground. Yes, I couldn't put that any better. And thank you for the for the compliment. But yeah, it is. I think one of the problems right now in France, we don't know why, but one of the problems that is happening in France, and it's happening the same thing in America too, so my French listeners don't think I'm bashing just France. I'm bashing America too on this issue. it's becoming more mainstream. It really is. Because it's being used, you're right. There's whole Israeli political conflict that's being used in order to shield people from their actual hatred of Jews for for anti-semitism itself and that's talked about more now people actually more than ever before mentioning that sort of thing now do not get me wrong I mentioned this on the show I mention it now criticizing Israeli policy on on certain things is not anti-semitic you're free to do that there's nothing wrong with that whether you're right about your criticism or not I don't know I'm not really the judge of that that's between you and them okay you know, I've always said, although, that, you know, criticizing the Jewish religion is bigoted. it. Criticizing Jews just because they're Jews, well, that's hatred. And, of course, I always felt, I don't care if you're a Jew or not, you know, criticizing Zionism, well, that's anti-Semitism, period. There's no other way of putting that. All right, thank you very much for that. Next one over here we got here is... Um, I got a lot of comments on the Italian character in the Merit Seminar. Okay? (laughs) This is going to be fun. And and it has been a bit fun. I got a lot of, uh, a lot of texts about it, too. All right? All right, here we go. First one. I laughed so hard I had to pause the show. You are right. And I know a few of those suburban Italians who try hard not to sound or behave like a typical Italian. We call them wasps. White-ass stupid people. That was his, um spelling of the acronym. It acronym actually means something else. But okay. In an era where everyone is jumping up and down about their heritage, we got too many in Hollywood pissing on our culture and too many in our culture not mentioning a word. I heard your anti Semitism show and yes, I think that we are the Jews of the Mediterranean. We spend so much time trying to blend in that some of us forgotten that we're a group that did it right. We emigrated with papers, we learned English, we got jobs, we raised families. As far as I'm concerned, the American cinema has done no favors to the Italian. We have more scientists, inventors, painters than anyone in history. And now we are reduced to stupid boxes and idiot gangsters. Now I'm ending that right there because I swear... I swear that this person's email was so long I I might have a show just on the email I mean, I'm serious It was like a page and a half Thank you for being so passionate and interested in what we're doing I really do appreciate that Didn't mean to cut you off But I really think we got the gist Just from your first, I don't know Eight or nine sentences I think we we got it, okay And thank you very much for that Yes, I, I, I certainly agree Not about the wasp thing I mean, that's funny, but I agree that there's a lot of bad imaging out there. A lot of it comes from Hollywood. And, and it's not just the big movies like Godfather or Casino or Goodfellas or, you know. But there's also, you'll see the individual shows. You have a character. I mean, you think about it. You're Joey from The Friends or even Joey on whatever the show he does. It's the same stupid thing. He's got to have a dumb accent with a smirk. Always the idiot. To get a joke or whatever. I mean really. I mean how long was he on Friends that he still didn't grow a brain? And I'm not I'm not getting it. He still sounded like a moron. You know? And this is supposed to be an Italian person. Jesus. And you wonder why we get upset. You know, if that was any other culture they'd have been killing them by now. But apparently it's an okay to do this. And and this is why I mention it on the on the show. This is why it's always been like a stick in my claw, you know? And I, and I agree in a funny way it's almost like we are the Jews in the Mediterranean people just think it's okay to bash us and then this is all right and yeah we've got a lot, a lot of scientists inventors painters people forget this you know the entire almost the entire Renaissance is is you know Italian geniuses all right sculptors inventors painters. Engineers, you name it. Hell, one, Leonardo da Vinci was like 20, 20 different things at once. That guy was such a genius. There, there hasn't been a person like him ever before, ever since. He was everything. Painter, sculptor, political advisor, inventor, engineer, war consultant. Incredible. Yeah, and all we get is some, some gangster or some... Engineer, that's what we get all the time. It gets it gets old. It really does. So, thank you for that. And I definitely appreciate that. All right, next. Strange you mention it, but I'm from one of those families that decided to leave the big cities and the negative images and start over somewhere smaller. Yes, there is some truth to what you have said. But I see it as a reaction to Hollywood putting people in a cultural corner and families like mine saying... That's not who we are. Maybe we went too far, because now I got a family, and I want to bring that culture back into play, and it's not an easy task. Few agree around me that it's even a worthy goal. Wow. All right. Well, that's one of those emails you get sometimes that you just you don't expect, and it definitely brings a few points that maybe I haven't considered. Okay, so. Maybe the wholesale bastion of everybody that moved to the suburbs and, and practically changed the, the vowel off their names and all wanted to sound like they were living in Connecticut and Waspy or something. Uh, maybe they don't all need to be thrown in, 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 a, in a certain group or just get angry at all of them. So the person does bring a couple of good points. I hadn't considered those points. Now, I will consider those points, okay? I I will. Uh, but it doesn't really defend all that's going on. I've seen a lot to, to, to see that some of it is what I exactly said it was and that other people criticizing that is, is true. Some people simply run away from their heritage. Now, hey, as an American and a person that believes in freedom, well, that's the country we have, that you have to obey or do anything you don't want to do about your own culture. You can come over here, be an American, eat you know a vegetable stew all day long and... and Never mention that you're Indonesian or never never concern yourselves about Taiwan or don't worry about things that happen in Puerto Rico. And just be who you want. I'm not sure how fair it is to bash you if you decide to not adopt the culture that you were born into and you just want to do something else. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to be nasty about it. I, I, I say it more in jest it, it just because it definitely seems uncomfortable to hear and see people act that way as somebody who comes from the city and and didn't do that, from a family that didn't leave and defended itself and and, and stayed as an important part of the the character of that community. But they make some good points. And no, I I don't really know how you bring it back into play. It's a lot easier. It's a lot harder. No doubt about it. It is because if you don't speak the language fluently, you're really down to just showing them you know, a small chart of famous Italian people. and showing a little bit about Italy. Maybe a couple of uh, decent films out there. Maybe some De- National Geographic stuff. Maybe some YouTube videos on, on the stuff that's happening over there. Sandy Tucci has been doing a whole um, uh, travel log on CNN about the different wine countries and the different parts of, of, of the heritage that will help you to understand things That help you to teach that with the kids. Maybe just from that, type of immersion of uh, academic and and, and cultural videos and stuff like that, things about our singers and opera and some of the other things about Italian culture, maybe that's really the best you can do, that at least they're armed with that kind of knowledge and and, and going from there. You can even mention some of the crap that Hollywood does, you know, as, hey, that's not really part of who we are, we're not all boxers and slurring our speech and acting like idiots, you know, oppressing people and taking their money, you know. Even though my father used to lose laugh and I used to laugh too that, you know, we're the original gangster. So all, to all our street friends, we're the OG of the OG. Okay, no doubt about it that some people feel that way. I'm not one of those people that run away from that. So when I say Hollywood gets too carried away with this, I, I believe that. But it doesn't mean that I'm in denial of that either. It doesn't mean that there was not Italian gangsters. It doesn't mean that huge amount of organized crime in the early part of the 20th century came from Italians. There's no doubt about that. They even helped them invade Sicily successfully in World War II. The the, the themselves, probably the first and last things they ever did that was helpful for America. But hey, they did their part, so I got all of that. So that's the reason why, part of the reason why I kind of criticize some of those folks that went to the suburbs is because of that. You know, they don't uh, they don't want to recognize that they want to be in denial. Like they, they don't come from that. We all come from that, folks. Okay, in Italy. We all come from a a, a glorious place in Italy that had a lot of economic problems, that had all kinds of society issues. So when we got here into America, you know, we're all coming from a couple of strains here. We're either coming from the strains of the people selling fruit on the corner there, or the people trying to make their lives in factories and living in tenements, or or the people that eventually joined some sort of organized crime unit for whatever reason. That's where we stem from, from those branches of our culture. That's the roots of who we are in America. All right, it's nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing to run away from. Obviously, it's nothing to glorify one way or the other. It's just who we are. All right. Next, that was a great question right away and, and a great comment. Thank you. It kind of like opened my eyes a little bit and helps enlighten me a little bit more. Sometimes when you do a show like this, you're trying to learn things to enlighten other people. Every so often, something comes back that helps enlighten you. Well, I think that did that for me. appreciate it. Alright, I know you mentioned it, but it should be repeated again, that a lot of the slanted Italian focus came from Italian directors and actors, Coppola, Scorsese, Pacino, De Niro, and they are held up, and they should be held up accountable for building some of these negative images. De Niro made his bones beating up people on film, while Pacino is a time bomb people can't wait to see explode. And with Scorsese in interviews claiming he doesn't make violent films. He just explores a story. And Coppola with his better at Italian does this stuff than a non-Italian. We might not need Hollywood enemies. We got plenty of our own. We are acting like a bunch of momos. Momo is one of those Italian street terms. uh, Meaning that uh, you're walking around uh, in your pajamas with no brain. That's just... Part of the pejorative definition of it. It can go in a few other directions, most, which I don't want to mention on the show. Okay? Alright. Yes, you're right. And it's something that doesn't talk about. In fact, I remember somebody asking Al Pacino about that, and he generally said, you know, in a half hearted way, yeah, there's, there's some truth to that. You ex and he probably wants to punch you. He wants to punch everybody. Apparently, uh, on, on on off screen. So, yeah. Not helping the stereotype there, Mr. General, but I I appreciate you being out there. Just, you know, calm it down, please. And I agree about the directors. I mean, they're very cavalier about that. For someone to say, I make violent films all the time, but I'm, I'm not really making violent films. I'm just, like, calling the story. Really? Okay. Mr. Scorsese, how about I go over there and punch you in the face? Okay? What are you doing that for? Well, that's not violent. I'm just telling the story. The story of me punching Scorsese in the face. See? doesn't sound all that great now does it when it happens to you so let's you know not being so denial that it gets ridiculous all right at least coppola is saying something that is business like and at least he he makes some kind of a point i don't completely agree with the point because you know i've heard it before from black directors well i gotta do this because if i don't i got white people gonna tell us my story and they're gonna mess it up even worse I go, but you still got the n-word running around. And you still got people running around and stereotypes all over the place. Spike Lee being one of them, and there's a couple others as well. So that's all great that you got a job and you help some other people get a job. And you, I mean, Coppola literally had his entire family in the in the industry at one point, or it's still in it at one point. That's all wonderful, but it doesn't really explain a whole lot, and it doesn't really help either. Now, these directors have done other things. You know, as as directors that are not Italian. And I got that. And thank you. But it is a fair comment to say. And how we're ever going to make them accountable, I don't know. They're all like become legends. All of them has Oscars. They all, (laughs) you know, are all like icons in society. Italian people love them just the same. So, you know, this... It might be too late for that. But, nonetheless, it's a good point to bring up. Okay, next. Props for the show. The subject needs to be talked about. But I would like to have heard more about Italian women in cinema. Hey, I don't always get dressed down on the show that is relevant. But in this case, you know, it is. Okay? Here's my thinking about what happened on that. And I'm not offering some big defense to make myself look good. It's just straight honesty. That's, that's how I play it, okay? When I was putting up the show together, I wanted to try to f- feed into some of the stuff that was going on about the stereotypes. And when I was looking at the actors and the directors, well, there really isn't too many uh, female Italian directors other than Sofia Coppola. There really isn't too many, and she's not doing anything at all that you could be considered stereotypical. In fact, she uh, won an Oscar for one of her screenplays. So, God bless her. I probably should have officially mentioned something in here about it, but it didn't. Um, you got a number of wonderful actresses that that are Italian, all all beautiful and, and wonderful. You know, Maria Bello and you know Annabella Scur- I mean Just so many. Okay, they really are, and I, I got all that. Carla Giudino. I mean, just endless. Love them all. But none of them, with the exception of, of, of Talia Shire, who is part of the Coppola family, and is and was born Italian, and is Italian, and did do something that would be considered stereotypical in the show by supporting uh, you know her mob family and all of that. I didn't even mention that. Mainly because I got mentally sidetracked with the fact that so many of the greatest of the Italian actresses were all from Italy in Italian-language films. So therefore, there wasn't Italian-Americans in Italian cinema, but rather, there was simply an Italian cinema, not Italian-American cinema. And I think when I did all that, I wound up, like cutting out some of the group. So, probably one day I'm going to have some kind of cool show where we talk about more of... Uh, ethnic and cultural a- actresses and we'll, we'll put a big segment about it, Italian actresses to sort of make that out but hey it's a legitimate comment I kind of I kind of blew that and messed it up and wasn't on purpose okay I'm all for the Italian woman God bless you okay hey I married one all right so give me a little credit okay all right last but not least here Stallone. He was half Italian and he helped make the boxer myth for Italians. But I have no I have two feelings on it because he was also creating a guy with heart and respect and courage under extraordinary circumstances. In an ironic way, Rocky could be seen more as a role model than a racial stereotype. And it is. It's it's complex where it concerns him. You know, because Salone He's right, he was half half Italian. His mother was Jewish. So yeah, you know, he's got an Italian father, Jewish mother. And as much as he was an Italian character in Rocky and, and and wrote it that way, okay, he's never been somebody that's really has wore the Italian culture on his sleeve, so to speak. And he went on to a very successful career, you know, as a director and as an actor. You know, and um he just didn't really use it in that fashion. It just really wasn't the kind of person that, you know, he was or is. You know, for whatever reason, I don't know. In many ways, that sort of helps him because, and I agree with the, with, with the, with the writer over here, that, because I mentioned this to my sons, that, yeah, it plays into the whole myth about Italian's, you know, a bunch of boxers you know, running around the cities, you, you yelling, aging, and, you know, screaming stuff and, and acting ridiculous. But, and we've had a lot of movies where there's been always the Italian boxer in there, so it's not like it hasn't been there. But guess what? They're all right. In many ways, though, you know, he, he really is a decent Italian fellow. No one says he's a saint. He's not trying to be perfect. He certainly isn't the best educated. You know, he, he's tried to find other jobs, it didn't work out. He just, There's a whole lot he doesn't really know. You know, he's just a physical guy trying to do his best, and he, he falls and this line of work, and, you yeah, know, it, it works out for him. You know, along the way, though, you know, he, he treats people with respect. I mean, you think about it, the, the, the love story between him and the, and the girl he meets, who's a bit of a nerdy girl, the girl likes animals, wears glasses, very pretty, but you wouldn't be able to tell with the thousands of clothes she has on, you know, that, um... He treats her with respect and, and understanding, and try to see what's going on over there. And and, and I feel in many ways a, a decent man and a gentleman. If anything, a good role model for for the Italian man on how to go about a, a, a respectable courtship with a, with another woman without being some tough guy, without being some cursing person, without being some mobster like some of these films do, where they have zero respect for women. Here's one he he has a hundred percent respect for women. Remember, in many instances, she's so important in his life that she even helps him make career decisions throughout the line of the Rocky movies. He listens to her. And why is he listening to her? Because she's right, because she loves him, because she's a decent person. But she also understands the man that she married, and, and she understands that you know his limitations for the good and for the bad. Because you know, she's a smart girl. He wouldn't be classically what you would call the, you know, educated, smart guy. Probably make a great match that way. But, so, yeah, I agree. I agree that um, in many ways, the, the Rocky films, they can serve. If you don't look deeper as a, a racial stereotype against Italians, if you look deeper, you might see something more like that person did, like I said. I think it's good to revisit that. I think if you look through that, you'll be able to see that that there was, something, uh, there was something special there that he wrote and and, and that he believed in and that he was able to carry out. And I always like that. And remember, this is also a man that interacted with all kinds of different racial groups and he wasn't out there calling people names and he wasn't out there doing anything other than being who he was supposed to be. Even when they called him the Italian Stallion, he was not somebody that ran off and, and, and went crazy with that. You know, and that's another thing. Uh, you had people over there acting foolish towards each other, and and what does the Rocky Balboa show you? That people can come together, that people can work together from different groups, they can respect each other, and, and he really showed that in the film too. It's a message we need again and again in the world, especially here in America. and And Rocky is a good example of that. He really is, and and I really and I really like that a lot about about him and about the about the movies alright folks that is it for global mail list like I said there was a lot of stuff over there and uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about it too we'll do Dune on another time so don't worry about that folks alright there's more Dune stuff coming up before me to put together a great Dune show thank you very much for all the responses Uh, even the people that were kind of rough you're kind of rough I understand okay we're going to get that now and then probably more than the other show I expect it, and, and I'm not really too surprised by it. I know how to handle things. I'm a big boy, all right? All right, folks, that was MindSpeak Global Mailing Special, Episode 222. Next, we have coming over here, uh, in the next uh, episodes, we got a, a show about uh, about drones, uh, how they change our life in the military and otherwise. Uh, it's called Robo War, Send in the Drones. We got another episode like that towards uh, the middle of the month about wine and people being snobs about it and just some of the basics about wine so people can understand more. I think it, it'll really illuminate people on how you can deal with wine because I think wine's one of those subjects where people, even when they drink it on a regular basis, there's not a lot they know about it. They just drink it. I, I just know this wine, you know, and so it'd be great for us to have a little bit more information about that. And I'm going to do that. We got an interview coming up. Later in the month, I'm going to be putting together that uh, that uh, new calendar for the rest of uh, September, with a, with a lovely uh, uh, writer from Argentina that wound up uh, immigrating over to uh, to America in Florida. That's going to be very very interesting. So I'm I, I'm excited to be doing that here soon. And We got a couple other shows I'm still working on I will formally announce. All right, folks. God bless. Until next time. It's Mark Antony Rossi, and this is Mind Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.